a very good evening to all our viewers who are going to join us. And if you are here, please do share and like. We are in Spotify, Apple Podcasts and LinkedIn as well. So, yes, it's 9pm. And before we go live, I mean, we're already live right now. Um, there is always the cup of kopi or we call it the coffee. So, cheers to everyone. I'm sure my guest speaker is standing by with his coffee because usually it's always a surprise that I won't, I won't mention anything about coffee, right? Um, but of course, it's, 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 it's a talk show. It's about coffee events and I'm sure he'll be ready with some sort of coffee. Yes, so today's topic is watching you when you sleep. Um, it's not your angel. In fact, it is your angel, right? This angel has been sent down by from the birth for the humans we are here and they are the doctors, right? But um, he is pretty much always in the back of the stage, back scene, you know, but not many people know about him or his profession. Um, without any further delay, let me just invite Dr. Ashoka. Hello, Dr. Ashoka. Hello, good evening. Hello. Yes. How are you, sir? Yeah, great to see you. Yes, it is bedtime. I should be watching you all go to sleep singing a song. <laughs> We're going to talk. Perfect. I love your background because it gives a very nice calming effect. Uh, I'm sure you can put to people to sleep, right? I mean, that's your profession. But on a, on a serious note, Doc, I mean, before we even jump into the topic we have lined up for, maybe you want to do a quick introduction about yourself, Doc? Hello, I'm Ashoka, anesthesiologist. And um, in terms of profession, 20 years in anesthesia by this year, started in 2002. Uh, my undergraduation was originally from India. It's a place called Jipmer in south of uh, uh, India called Pondicherry. And um, I am a cricketer, uh, retired from competitive cricket 10 years from now, just before uh, yeah, my daughter was born. All good. And I play badminton now. Uh, really happy to see you and uh, great that I could share perspectives on this channel. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. So, uh, I mean, it, it's always been a pleasure to have a doctor coming on board at Copy Events and talking about it. Um, it's a good thing and it's a great thing because i got to say this, uh, for the past two and a half years, um, this is a great topic that we are having because none, or not at all, we have done this uh, particular topic that we are going to talk about is watching you while you are asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, probably the viewers already be thinking, hey, we need to sleep. But no, that's not that kind of sleep, you know. <laughs> Uh, this is a very more serious note. We were going into the serious note, but viewers, you've also been um, encouraged to ask questions to Dr. Ashoka. Probably we will answer it in the last 15 minutes of it. Um, we are live in podcasts and copy with Vance, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. All right. So, Doctor, um, before we even want to jump into the whole topic itself, I know... Um, Doctors have a certain profession. I mean, I mean, of course, the specialization. But what really makes you to go into that career itself? Thank you. I think um, this happened 20 years before. Um, I was one of those uh, who would be saying, what do, what do anesthesiologists do? In quoting how surgeons used to say, um, they used to sit on stools and pass gases all the time. No pun intended. So <laughs> I, I used to be like oh you're just watching all the time and you're not doing anything like you know that was how it started um, but when i was inspired to be one of the legends in anesthesia professor avishankar uh, we came to know all oh, the three months i had 
time to work we got inspired to see that a difference is made while the patient is under the anesthetic outcomes are pretty much determined and while technical work of the quality surgery happens it is how we actually get them to wake up and get back functionally um i was supposed to be a trauma surgeon and in that 3 months of that rotation it actually changed my perspective and here i am uh, and obstetric anesthesia also one of my interests yeah we can talk about it thank you anesthesiologist rock the word is very long uh, probably you know uh, yeah but you know um on on a we are coming to go to the both serious and the light side of it um you know the the brain is such an amazing tool machine organ or whatever we want to call it right dog i mean of course but but you know you are just deactivating pain it's not just like a normal cut that i'm having and you know and you're putting to sleep no it is literally no senses uh you don't feel anything you do not know where you went but then you have the ability to bring back the person and put back to the person because of that surgery uh, the serious of the surgery what exactly happening in 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 the upper part of the brain or whatever that's happening in the brain dog so i think at that point i would clarify anesthesia and asthesis asthesis is feeling so anesthesis is removing the feeling most of the time we are talking about the pain and sometimes we are looking at the anxiety and uh, the stress people think of when they go for a surgery most of the time it's about general anesthesia when people uh, talk anesthesia uh, but the if you look at the details of it it is removing pain and providing an uh, immobile feel for the surgeon to provide an accurate technical uh, aspect of how this could go on mm-hmm. now when 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 that is actually happening we are all the time watching and um, anesthesiologist is somebody who's a physician who has gone through formal training who would provide this technical aspect of uh, patient care there are anesthetists who could be nurses or some technicians in the united states but in the commonwealth uh, and most of the countries where we are right now these are quality accredited uh, well regulated trained practitioners or physicians uh, who provide this yeah yeah and uh, well you might be thinking you know we were mainly watching and you know it's boring and uh, you know are you missing all the action <laughs> so are we actually watching the surgery like yes we are watching them technically suture and stuff but we are watching the patient who is getting ready for that it means like in the field as in the patient when they look a little blue the oxygen is not going if the blood is a bit runny that means it is not clotting well or there are not enough red cells Uh, they are not chemically well balanced the salt and water is not okay there's so much which goes which will really get you to sleep right now when i continue <laughs> which is what we watch and uh, right. as simple as something like a technical surgery they do a gall bladder there is a you know pin hole only two small cm centimeters that is there but the probe is near the liver or the diaphragm or the heart a slight movement could mean a whole world of difference what was just a gallstone where somebody would have had some traditional medicines to become okay yeah so it is uh, different yes thank you uh, doctor before we jump into the next question i mean i'm i'm going to ask you this right um 
So, so I mean, coming back to the same question again, you know, um, it's not something that you meditate and you know the pain just go up. No, it is a it's it's a tons of I, I we we can't uh, not sure what kind of measurements that we want to use here, but you know that pain threshold or is above your pain threshold, uh, it it breaks all your maximum levels because of that particular surgery it can be any kind of a serious surgery, but the person doesn't feel anything. So, what is the communication between the brain? And the body. What exactly is happening, Doc? Could you uh, say, yeah. share more about this? So when we are conscious, we are processing signals. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can imagine your toenail is caught in the edge of a door. So there is a crushing sensation of discomfort. And yeah. that is carried by those bits of nerves there. And then they all join together to form what is called a bundle or a plex. Uh, plexus, which is somewhere near the groin or the uh, armpits. That's where the bundle is. These require a relay station where they tell the controller above, hey, there's something seriously wrong. You need to take your leg out. Otherwise, it'll be crushed completely. So the spinal column uh, sends those signals up telling this is happening. Uh, this is sensation. This is afferent. You need to act. Pull your leg out. So the brain, yes, please do that and move your leg away and kick it away if there is an ant biting. So this full loop is the reflex arc and this requires an active conscious brain function with nerves working. Now, when we're talking about general anesthesia, we just working on the central controller and then telling them, hey, don't worry about it. That's my guy, we are fine with that. So we give a touch of some medications which will get the brain to not think about it. So you have various grades in which we could do it. So some medications are working only at the brainstem, which is the base of the brain. Right. And you can actually have them opening eyes, but not bothering. So a medication called ketamine, uh, something similar uh, will mm -hmm. do that. A full general anesthetic is like eyes closed. You go into a chemical reversible coma and no response from below. And when you talk about the local, regional and peripheral anesthetics, yeah. That's right. If you are just going down from the neck down, so from the center of your spinal column, the relay center is not uh, made to work. So you're doing cesarean section. The mummy's lower tummy is, you know, get to be open for the baby to come. Right. Sounds right. ouchy, but she is completely uh, at ease, waiting for the baby to come. The baby cries actively, and she's not feeling any pain. So that is the relay center taken care of. So spinal right. anesthetic is how it works. But then if you want to fix a bone in the elbow, you don't want the entire body to sleep. So that's where your plexus or the regional anesthetic. So we just numb a one joint above to numb it. And then that part doesn't really move, work, or send signals to the brain. Brain is working, but we don't get signals from below. But sometimes, as I said, the toenail is the thing. So you just have to numb around the finger or the toe. So that's yeah. local anesthetic. So this is the full range. And we make that choice based on patient preference, surgical requirement, and uh, disease status, and we are able to do that. Yeah. Could we say, Doc, I mean, based on what you have mentioned here, could we say that we are tricking the brain to deactivate the pain? I mean, can we trick the brain? Are we, are we, are we doing that? And then once you, yeah. the, the, you know, the medication goes off or, you know, you, you bring them back, then it yeah. kicks in and brain says, what the, f whatever you did to me. Is that is that is that a confusion uh, state that the brain is going through? One, you don't realize it. Another one, suddenly just flowing in without any indications. So how will the body will react? So about 50, 60 years ago, when we were really getting patients to sleep 
we really don't know how they suddenly go into sleep we do know they might wake up at some point in time the surgeons will go for lunch and then come back later for the patients okay. to be woken up but yeah. now we have very calibrated accurate ways of measuring okay. how they wake up so we have like ecg measures the heart electrocardiogram we have eeg electroencephalogram which is brain waves so when you read the waves and we have like scores 1 to 100 if somebody is less than 60 uh he he or she is anesthetized so if this lecturing of me continues he, okay. half of right. you will be down <laughs> in, in 60 to 80 range so when we know that the the brain waves are going to a particular form so some form of deep transcendental meditation with delta waves or like what you can imagine they are completely immune to light you turn off the anesthetic they would tend to recover so how you can imagine this is happening is like anesthesia and flight journey are comparable so we uh, we we kind of do the pre travel checks which is your visa is somebody yeah. ready to fly would they right. even be allowed into this which is your journey and yeah. then on the day at the check in your documents are checked like you we review the investigations and so on that's like outside the operating theater on the day but you still are security check before you board finally that's before you get the gas or the way you want to sleep that's the in theater final check so you have three checks before a dangerous surgical practice they used to say you are the last guard before dangerous surgical practice which is g u a r d not g o d uh, so then comes how you get to sleep the actual journey so we greeted by the nurses the staff that's like your flight crew but right. the anesthesiologist working in the background machine checks which is pilot or cockpit check everything mm. ready to fly you know the route you know the equipment you know the journey trajectory so the ascent and the descent are the toughest so how you get into sleep how you wake up you're talking about will the brain suddenly get a shock when you do this there is a lot of rumble and then yeah. practice uh, waking up is an art Every, anybody can get anybody to sleep michael jackson slept you know woke up the person providing sedation yeah you could get famous in the limelight by doing such things um then you always see these pilots walk tall with the team closely connected looking at the families right. they've done a good job they know that the families are happily hugging so that's pretty much in the background making the journey safe and uh, a lot of things will be different the um Uh, you know the climate or how there the weather the oncoming traffic uh, and the fuel all those will change so that's what we do yeah thank you you know doc i mean um, of course um, well said on the explanation part but you know do you get a little bored because surgeons are doing whether is it a thoracic surgeon or an orthopedic surgeon who's going through uh, a 6 hours or 7 hours procedure but you are there um, i mean you're thinking what may go wrong or what can go wrong and and you are doing a lot of calculation so you are like a mathematician uh seems like you are chemistries and you are doctor so you doing a couple of roles either the responsibility can be very high on you and and while while this process is going through the number of hours that probably that surgery depends on the surgeon but as an anesthetist you are watching it mainly does it bore make you boring do you miss all the action of doing that surgeon i mean like the surgeries right so i lancer the second one um, about does it bore us well uh, they used to say anesthesia is hours of boredom minutes of thrill and seconds of terror so wow. if we see the second two 
and those beeps which go from tung 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 goes tung 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 that's it so anytime the flight beeps when i'm traveling i wake up so i don't really sleep oh, i binge watch okay. movies yeah okay. so because that's a very infrequent beep for me to sleep through it snooze yeah sorry so if we are looking at the you know the the journey itself <laughs> the surgeries are pretty much well planned in terms of how many hours they would we do have teams when it goes beyond like 12 hours or so we do sometimes plan to split lists as in we have teams which come in every 12 hours so some transplant surgeries or major limb and pelvic surgeries can take up to 24 hours and the boredom part or periods where we go autopilot is actually have enough systems in place to beep and tell us what are the things we need to watch for and we have priority alarms so if there is a oxygen failure alarm you cannot put on vibrator mode and sleep through it it like is not going to yeah right, so and right. then if the heartbeat is going below a number it does tell us while we are watching there are ways technology has also assisted us and we have support systems which are very good yeah thank you all right so uh seems like um seems like a lot of actions happening there i mean uh, to to save that life or to you know to to bring back the life but you know doc um as we go on and um, we know um it can go into different complications right uh, a lot of issues can happen so what are the risks are we looking at uh, anesthesia right so i can say risks for the anesthetist and risks for the patient we'll talk about patients and you know how it could be yeah. something which changes how patients uh, are supposed to be right usually we know anticipated risks that is because we know how the travelers are profiled by you know women and children people with disabilities and then the uh, you know back row the center row and advanced kind of boarding so we actually grade them by their level of uh, existing diseases we call it pre morbid conditions if somebody is clean like fitness trainer like you we call them grade 1 who is ready to go you don't need to take your check in bag just clear everything carry on if somebody has like sweet disease diabetes and doesn't hit any organs they are well controlled they managing with diet and things are okay they are two and if it has taken the kidney or they are on dialysis the heart has had an attack and brain function has changed that's like three but manageable so well, sometimes they can get sicker four and five which means you your risk factor when we exposed to anesthetic we are usually looking at full general anesthetic that increases from like 1% to 10% to about 20 to 30% so like one in three can have serious events like repeat heart attack or even can affect their life if things go wrong or even right given the fact that they already sick now these are expected risks you discuss and you uh, have a group discussion multidisciplinary and everybody makes this risk benefit analysis so if you're going to say uh, we have a 90 year old uncle whose entire hip needs to be replaced like a robot while he was already bedridden and then we really need to say hey we need to have a discussion let's get the family together and we think about it so now which is riskier is something you can think of but then there are things which are untoward we don't expect but then it could suddenly happen and uh, so those are like adverse events so people might 
not realize they have reacted to a medication like allergy antibiotics they never knew they are allergic to penicillin so like the blood pressure can like fall completely people would have come for a dental procedure they didn't re- realize their muscle had reacted to this and the whole body is stiff and they go in high temperatures or uh, you know things which we call uh, are catastrophic there is a mid range in between where most of us would have some form of these effects one of this is like nausea and vomiting mainly you don't have food for 6 to 8 hours the surgery and things are about another 6 to 8 hours by easily 12 18 hours before any food goes imagine the acidity and the uh, absence mm-hmm. of food and the chemicals you would throw up once and you'll get better so that is post operative nausea vomiting and other things like blood pressure change sometimes uh, if the anatomy of the face is not okay people can have minor dental chips and cracks a lot of times there's so much intense discussion from family about that happening we will definitely with respect tell them there are a lot more things we have handled on the inside these had to happen because we had to save the life and get the oxygen in but we are empathetic and apologize this happened so yes there are risks with it usually predictable uh, most of the time pick up and well managed yeah on a serious note i i, I think that doctors are actually a multi talented you know you don't only <laughs> uh prevention you know you know you you have to be an engineer you have to be a problem solver you got to think what may happen in the next one hour you know there's so much of calculation i like i mentioned before uh, you could be the chemistryist you can be the uh, engineer and you know you you all get together and you are discuss and and that discussion is a serious discussion about life and death and you know it's such an amazing to see uh, where medical science has brought us over the years as it's evolving and we are getting even more uh, better in, in terms of medical science now we are looking at it um what does it sounds like for future doc i mean for your profession i mean what are we looking at i think uh, people talk about robotics autopilot um, driverless car and things for me within my lifespan of i'm 45 in 20 years from now i still don't see that you will not have a doctor free anesthesia uh, one is the detail in which the um, the technicalities of how a human body reacts to a chemical which gets them to sleep and you have to give it at the right finite amount that they have to wake up in about 15 to 20 minutes from even a 20 hour operation is still something technology ai and robotics has not figured yet uh, like most human beings have a job for that reason um, but if we are looking at technology of understanding sleep we have very advanced monitoring which can tell us uh, precisely by the minute when people wake up uh, and uh, we have algorithms which actually pick up common events across countries from databases and they can actually tell you are going to see an event like you know tsunami is coming and uh, we can in if people are distracted can have buzzes to their phones or maybe a vibrator to the chair to actually look at things yeah yeah, yeah. so that has evolved and uh, we our medications have become safer uh, errors uh, as in patient safety is evolved most of the anesthesiologists tend to be involved in patient safety initiatives many of them are administrators and uh, hospital managers because of their leadership abilities in how they manage this so right. looking ahead bright 
on how technology is supporting how medications are safer how prompts and uh, uh, you know assist devices are being part of us not yet fully to be taken over possible you know dog as we speak on on the multi talented and task uh, we have a viewer here right now arish thank you arish for the uh, comment yeah he has said uh, you know doctors are multi talented and task I mean, i mean that's what i look at right i mean you have your processes right you got step 1 step 2 step 3 step 4 but something you know that you not foresee for and then something comes in and you all get together and then you all come up with a solution so i think that is really a problem solving uh stuff that uh, i mean the profession actually looks at it and um and that i think it could be also be a very stress factor but i think um you all be not say you'll be you have managed the stress i think to a point where it's like you know it's very normal is it the years of experiences that you get in that you able to do this so that's a good question and uh, thank you harish for tuning in too i guess well, some of this are requirements as you sit in this chair you know you are given a chair you need to know the politics kind of a thing so you are given a life in front of you the family's trust and um that itself is a responsibility it just inspires people to make sure you give back the person the way they came back so the other day there was a spine which was s shaped in a 13 year old girl they were trying to straighten it they had to do in two different days the second day the mother was like we are okay if it is a little c shape but give her back to us we want her walking and yeah. she's a lovely girl who just does a fist bump and it just inspires us you wouldn't think of you know being or filling your tummy asking for a break if such a responsibility comes on you um speaking of how you have to manage uh, if even if you may not be talented is like i thought i will move away from mathematics by entering medicine but then now i am calculating by microgram doses in this when we are administering so sometimes you have to learn on the job uh, at least uh, physics is something which we had to pick up while in anesthesia you have to understand cylinders um, you have to understand pressures and a lot of things which is inspiring yes thank you thank you doctor thank you for that thank you arish uh, once again for that uh, comment um so for pregnant women i mean of course uh, nobody schedule a surgery during the pregnancy but uh, given the vulnerability of a human life anything can go wrong at any time nowadays if you look at uh, myocardial infarctions right uh, heart attacks are right. coming below 40 below 30 last time we only used to hear after 60s and 70s and 80s but now the numbers are coming lower and lower and lower so obviously um so in a emergency case for a pregnant woman um if the surgery is needed how this uh, thing can be solved is it safe excellent i think um, pregnant pregnant women are a, you know a class apart um, they need special attention mainly because there are two lives yeah and uh, their physiology is geared to completely provide for the child so it, which also uh, in in a form of medical language they say uh, fetuses or parasites as I mean they will take whatever they want at the cost of the mother so our aim is to keep the mother active comfortable and goes back yeah. to the same way she came so surgeries for pregnant mothers would be either to have the baby out in the last month or so that's yeah. like a cesarean which happens in about 1 in 10 of them 
or sometimes you know like any other person can have an appendicitis can have uh, you know a typhoid with an intestine having a perforation so they would need surgeries now when we get to be involved with uh, non cesarean like general surgical procedures in the first three months you are, we are also concerned the baby should not get these medications they should grow they should not have any side effects in the middle of the pregnancy we are like the the expulsion of the baby should not happen you have to contain the pregnancy and because it can just push the baby like self abort the last part of or like they have usually gaining about 10 to 12 kg their veins come up a lot the entire body like beats um, in the in the heart and the function like about 30 40% they very different and and you can imagine they always struggle to breathe because you know the they are like fully bloated like two right. watermelon sizes there and the lungs can't expand because the diaphragm is pushed up so their oxygen reserves are low and they are at risk like two times to three times than any other normal person so if you are providing a general anesthetic for a pregnant mother it's a specialty anesthetic and it needs utmost care there needs to be discussion about what uh, longevity the baby has is it going to affect it um and of course the priority is the mother so we always uh, look at that so i do remember uh, events where you know mothers could not make it and then they brought the baby out within the 4 minutes and baby cried and the husband's got remarried in like 4 months but you know the importance of the whole picture yeah. is understanding it is a very high risk anesthetic and it needs discussion and uh, they tend to have you know they are a little burpy and gassy because their esophagus doesn't hold the food in the stomach so they yeah. are at a high risk of aspiration so food should never reach the lungs aspiration should be prevented and so where possible we provide the half body anesthetic uh, like cesareans and then they can connect with the baby when they come out the uterus contracts and then they hug and take pictures all good um, if it works good full general anesthetic we have to watch with care thank you Thank you, doctor. I mean, look, you see, we just talked about engineering, problem solver, everything. We are just talking about the human anatomy, and even more deeper than that. Uh, coming back to the limelight, I mean, um, of course, if someone has an issue with the bone, they could see an orthopedic. Someone having the, you know, want to do a general check uh, every yearly, they could see a cardiologist. I mean, there are different different um, aspects of profession, but no one. Um, can I say any patients come and say, "Oh, I want to have uh, Doctor Ashoka as my anesthetist." is that possible because we don't see a limelight um even in tv shows or even uh, making an appointment to see because you're always at the backstage uh, unknown so it's time for us to show some limelight to the to the world of anesthetist i'm happy there is even a forum discussing about this uh, it's um, a honor to all these you know soldiers who are working in the background world over um, and uh, it's a tribute to them who have made surgery being painless imagine people used to hold down and then pull teeth and bone and straighten stuff a few years ago right so now looking at uh, limelight i think anesthesiology itself has certain branches which actually have a uh, patient and connection with relatives so one of that is pain medicine which is uh, a group or a team of physicians who actually train and have advanced knowledge in how they specifically find those nerves through you know x-ray machines and give injections so that is like chronic pain specialists 
and then uh, they are trained in a very special way and they allow um, patients to be free of pain so not all uh, patients go through surgery with uh, less pain in fact some of them three six months later or various other diseases of the nerves or immune function can affect that so they come back with what is called chronic pain pain stays so these are professions where you could actually have specialists to whom they can specifically fly to meet the other ones are the intensivists or the icu uh, care team mainly because they understand in anesthesia a lot about um, how we quickly get the heart and rhythm back we understand respiratory physiology in we came to the limelight in covid we were on the front page in time magazine for once uh, and uh, that is also to do with the leadership skills their ability to coordinate teams to teach uh, so i think the word doctor dosir in latin it means to teach so you need to inspire your colleagues uh, your patients your relatives friends uh, common public through these kind of forums thanks to you and um, that uh, is one form of connecting which is through intensive care so the patient who was sick may not remember to wake up to tell you but the family knows and the other part is uh, labor epidural analgesia yeah. uh, i think i will use this forum to say that you know women with pain and labor deserve better attention i think if there are feminists in the audience uh, they can take up this and then say women deserve the right of full pain relief if you hear somebody screaming through you will realize actually i provide labor epidural analgesia and, and about 60 to 80% of women in singapore right now get it when i started in 2002 to 2005 in the entire 3 years i have not given one labor epidural analgesia so we have a busy place where your 80 deliveries the mummies just scream through deliver and then go off and you know sometimes religious factors are there and they explain how yeah. they should suffer right mm-hmm. but if you can provide relief i think they like yesterday's patient had a photo showing i was surprised to see this photo is you and my friend recommended and i was like oh this does happen oh yeah fine like it was just yesterday i was on my uh-huh. call <laughs> that is one way you could actually make a difference and people could request for and uh, you can be in some like but it is not like how you'll go on tv like somebody who changed uh, the joint who has a new cancer innovation you just work silently uh, you will remember the brand as saa but you may not remember the pilot name uh, can i ask when was the last time you flew a flight as in been been in one uh, in the last uh, six months you actually not topic was i'm going to fly soon uh, but uh-huh. in the last uh, uh, about two months back right what was your pilot's name <laughs> ah. <laughs> i honestly uh i That's only okay. know the plane landed landed safely so yeah we forgot about the pilot yeah oh. so that's okay so the journey is safe and we are happy so limelight is good um and sometimes the surgeons deserve it because they speak to the patients before they connect with the family they bring right. them through the surgery and they see them in the post op beyond the 48 hours which we usually manage and then uh, even the 3 6 months so it is important that we give credit to the surgeons who provide that uh, but there is a period where we suddenly involve in that busy 48 hours we have to quickly understand their emotions uh, and then we have to connect to see the emotional quotient 
and see sometimes it so happens we are actually explaining surgery because not many things is understood by the patients they come to us and when we provide the information uh, not any of it will actually go because they're so stressed at that time but yeah. uh, in the post operative period yes we do tend to connect with family and we follow through uh, it is something yes we miss in the limelight um, but we are also happy to be in the background to provide that opportunity for the surgeons thank you um so i can say that uh, confidently that you are famous among the doctors not among the patients but 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 you know in in a way that because exactly uh, so you who... put it very right um yeah. so if i can um explain that how we get a recognition is actually the surgeon or the team which has managed will say hey do you know that patient actually walked back home and then did some skydiving yesterday and i say oh oh really okay so that is beyond a particular time we would actually hear stories from the teams which are involved and we are involved in that moment of uh, you know the crisis which we talked about minutes right. of thrill and seconds yep. after and then yes yeah recognition right. is through colleagues yeah yeah exactly but but you are you are the important person or one of the important person work hand in hand with a surgeon to get mm. that successful ratio of course successful event to happen but you know mm. and that tense area in the operating theater a lot of stuff can go wrong a lot of stuff can mm. go right but you are all well prepared but you know doc i'm going to ask you something here before i take this question that how many years you need to add to mm. be one um you know emotional factors because you know that you are there and then unfortunately um it wasn't a successful one uh, as a doctor as a human i mean at the end of the day you are still a human but you when you are in a role you are fully focused like a chemistry is a problem solver you are jigsaw puzzle you know you everything ready in your mind but then in the other part of the emotional factor um you, it wasn't a successful how do you what do you feel because you do see life and death happening every time as a doctor probably you seen this in the many years of your career but as as time goes by how do you handle this situation because not everyone can handle that but doctors are pretty much special how do you uh, reconfigure yourself every time when you go back home or what exactly. is exactly yeah so two things here one is how you conduct yourself after a calamity resetting yourself to be what yeah. you can the other one is how do you maintain the same level of uh, positiveness so i think the first part is uh, maybe if you remember tendulkar he used to say uh, he plays every ball as a new ball he's a legend in cricket and then he says he then every next ball is a new ball and then he doesn't go by the fact that he hit a six the previous ball which means uh, every patient every heartbeat every moment that we are with them uh, has its own curve balls and we have to watch through it is important that we are grounded by the fact that we are grateful they made it through today and it's a happy ending and this flight landed um and again there are fixed hours where um the system doesn't allow us to work beyond uh, we are grounded when the flight hours is a particular bit that helps us to rejuvenate as far as anesthesia we have fixed uh, off time after that which is slightly different from the surgeon sometimes they get called and then they rush through to the reason is you need time for these people to reset uh, emotionally physically biologically and uh, uh, you also need 
the time with family or people who make you happy in my context my best friend is just next to me david uh, he is giving me happiness and yeah. the moral support yeah so that is important and how we connect with um, resets you you we will be humble by the fact that they are doing good we are conscious and we are mindful about the fact that people who don't make it so when i was talking about the mummy who didn't make and the baby survived this is 20 years ago but i can vividly remember every moment of it and that will play through and then we just have that moment of pause we reset recalibrate as you said we call it re zero the transducer transducer is something which reads our blood pressure right. so we re zero and then you pick up new re-zero. signals and then <laughs> so something that we learned today re zero wow very interesting and um, of course i mean it's a, it's an amazing and a blessed to have uh, doctors in planet earth send by whoever that said but all kudos to all the doctors out there <laughs> thank you well, yeah, we are time. we are a team and we have anesthesia nurses we have ot techs uh, we have like radiographers and a full team who are all in the background uh, we would there will be a day probably the entire team comes out and greets the patients and the patients know these people are there in the background big thanks to all of them Thank you, doctor. I mean, a uh, uh, doctor's journey. I know. I mean, I pretty much Copilot Events is all about health talk shows. I mean, constantly everybody's studying and researching and research papers. I'm like, uh, doc, you are already 47 GCE events. I'm still studying. I'm like, okay. So in 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 the context of a doctor, the education or the research doesn't mm. stop. It's always evolving. Something new is popping up, and you know, just like the virus that we went through, you know, something is yeah. always manifesting. and so and so forth for your profession doc i mean how many years do you need i mean apart from being a doctor and then you going into your specialization i am happy this question is framed this way previously there used to be like are you doctors do you go through med school oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes it was a very valid question till 2010 i used to hear even when i came to singapore so we do um, practice and learn as physicians the medical mbbs the undergrad program is about 5 6 years and then uh, we enter the specialty of anesthesia it can range from about 3 to 6 years that is just to become a anesthetist of all capabilities but when we have to specialize you can choose tracks like you know neuro as in brain related anesthesia pediatrics neonatology even people doing surgery on fetus bring them out correct the malformation put back and then the mummy delivers when they are full term you could do for transplant uh, in my case i don't do liver transplant but if you have to go there you have to specially do that intensive care we mentioned pain right. specialty and so on and so forth so those can take about an extra 3 to 5 years so eventually by 10 15 years people are full fledged in their area of specialization and uh, definitely it's shorter than a surgical career and one thing you would see is a lot of uh, women in our specialty about 60% of women when we start in their registration as residency one thing is the work life balance and the predictable trajectory of the career it is very challenging so if, um, if there are people who talk about challenges and gender i think they should come to anesthesia and see a lot of women in our field and the limelight of the center of managing crisis and which is good um and uh, over time you realize that if you can manage things well you deserve a good break 
you can actually be not be involved when you are not required it gives a perspective of work life balance something which was missing before covid i think covid sure. gave families to meet and uh, we can now see uh, there is a healthy initiatives a lot more of people talking about that and we're talking about the four day week somewhere yeah right right Thank right you. maybe after this show a lot of doctors probably uh have a career path or rather jumping quickly to become an anesthetist after hearing that right good um doctor i mean of course we we, we talked about in the past 40 minutes uh in fact 45 minutes on all these aspects of uh your profession your specialization what go through behind the scene but there's one part is always very interesting that we talked about right i mean we never talked about um ever in the history while a person wakes up during a surgery ever happened before right so um in the risks of anesthesia one one of the things most of the patients ask is do i wake up during the operation will i scream and thrash yeah. around uh, yeah right so in the past when brain waves were not monitored we did not know there are like about 20% of patients in those days who used to have some form of hearing that something was talked during the operation right. they may not have felt pain at that time so yeah. these are like surgeries such as the open heart operation the movie awake if you had watched and then um, it can also be cesarean so when you give an anesthetic like you dial up Uh, they tend to relax the uterus and there can be bleeding and so people used to keep them light and they used to think of uh, hey i remembered something i do know the people were speaking i can so that is called awareness now about 2010 we went in a big way getting scientific about it so we technically moved on to brain wave measurement and monitoring and we accurately know uh 5 to 10 minutes from now the person is going to wake we check with the surgeon do you really think you are going to finish shortly and you know like pilot announces you know cabin crew prepare for descent right or landing yeah so now you it, now, it is, now you seems like a doctor a uh, pilot sorry <laughs> doctor and a pilot <laughs> so so because when we hear that we are like i didn't he say like 30 minutes before he is going to land like you know yeah. kids is like kids are like Oh, are you there yet so mainly that is right. um, how we decide when they wake up but sometimes the whole process of waking up is groggy they the surgery might have finished suturing would have done we would have woken them up they will wake up in the recovery room or the post anesthesia care yeah. and they would have heard the people speaking then they would say i actually heard them talking about food it's like yeah because it's the recovery <laughs> room <laughs> the okay. operation is over um yes um, there are incidences people do uh, hear or become aware and there is one scientific method called wake up test which is actually done in spine surgeries where the person is lying down flat they have been operating on the back they wanted to know the straightening of the spine does it actually get enough brain signals from the head to go to the leg so the surgeon will say can you wriggle your toes and this person is like anesthetized lying down flat and they are supposed to remember recognize the command and wriggle the toes and not feel the pain so that is a challenge and that's right, something right. which we can yeah, so that is uh, not awareness actually a wake up so it is a possibility uh, we definitely want to avoid waking up with pain we right, have right. ways of monitoring brain waves to know that 
90% of them should not be there when the surgery or the anesthetic requires you to give very minimum because the blood pressure is too low somebody is very unwell they might be given light anesthetics because you want them to right. live through the night it's like remember in warfare you're not going to give full general anesthetic we're just going to give something save the guy bring to the area of uh, right. best place and then come back another day right yeah thank you you know doctor along the way before we jump into the last question and then for open up for some viewers if they have questions um during the process of 8 hours or 9 hours mm-hmm. right will you cont- i mean you are the expert are they sleeping or are they in a different dimension because you know you know we have seen a lot you know different cultures they have do certain meditation they can sit in the hot water um they minimize or reduced or eliminated the pain so what exactly is happening who are you you are a magician <laughs> so right now you have another role right now um so what happens during the 8 hours are they sleeping or is the brain doesn't recognize anything or what exactly is happening there so the uh, technical answer is the medications that we give uh, actually switches off the brain cells to right. go into a negative electrical activity so wow, for the cells you are now, you're now so electric for the cells to be electrically active they need to have those positive impulses right so for that that is when the signals are carried so each brain nerve talks to each other so the medications we give keeps them a little silent the higher you go the more silent the waves are they don't process any signal and uh, it so there are two forms of general anesthesia one you give as a gas the vapors in the past we used to say chloroform we don't give that anymore but there are a few other forms that we use um but right now we also have infusions or totally intravenous the medications which go through your vein and then they all work by similar means where the electrical polarity in the brain is not excitable to take any signals the signal is you know there is an operation somebody is cutting open and all that so when you turn down the anesthetic you are actually preparing for some stimuli to come so they would remember to breathe first they will then know to open eyes they will swallow and and then they slowly wake up so well will they have pain or they won't have pain is to do with how we have given other forms of anesthetic so if you think of a meal you can be full by eating five pratas uh, you can okay. also have half a prata one portion of egg gravy some dessert and a chunk of a dessert and a drink which is a balanced meal you give a best of a little bit of each and you can also be some to a full meal it's called balanced anesthesia so we provide a little bit of each not having the side effects of one of them and also make it reversible that they wake up so electrical silence which is reversible is what we do yeah and they are sleeping by the way we monitor the brain waves Yes. Right. Uh thank you so much doctor for the past 51 minutes. I'm just going to take one question here. Um she have said that she has a seize but can it be done at polyclinic the doctor is suggesting numbing the affected area at the back. So what will your suggestion doc? Is going to take my glass and then yeah. sebaceous cyst. Okay, great. So it, it is a small swelling on the skin which is actually something which doesn't usually give a systemic problem which is uh, 
producing germs and infections around it. So if it's a small problem, which could be handled locally, you could do as a minor procedure that is provide numbing medicine around and remove that and have a suture done and you should be good. Sometimes the surgeon who makes the right call, whom you meet, would be discussing to say that, look, it is a few centimeters inside. It is somewhere near the muscle. When we scratch and take, you may not always feel the good pain relief with the numbing medicine. Do you want to look at a general anesthetic? But if you're a healthy, normal person who doesn't have systemic medical diseases, it does not matter. You can go through for a short general anesthetic and you can safely come through. But I would recommend where there is a possibility, if it is something locally manageable, just handle that. You don't even have to go through the immigration and the journey. Yeah. Right. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, viewer, for that. Udaya. Thank you so much. Doctor, we got last questions for you before we call it the copy with Vance session ended. Uh, doc, you know, um, anesthetists, right, take a leadership roles in hospitals because uh, any reason for this? I think when they are in the operating theater, they're constantly observing or watching, not just the person sleeping, um, yeah. the things around. So they have situational awareness, which is what are the capabilities of this team here? What are their strengths and the weakness? And how far, how much can you push the system to get things done? And the product of education, which is an undergrad or a postgrad or a nursing colleague who's there, are they ready? And um, you can you trust them to do? So this assessment is done every day, every hour throughout. And it constantly puts them in the position of uh, people skills. So once you have right. people skills, I think leadership automatically comes and the second aspect of leadership is to do with quality control and safety measures. So when we are talking about being updated and knowledgeable, if we have to tell a cardiac surgeon or a transplant surgeon that like this patient is not yet fit to have a surgery, we are actually reading and being updated currently and more than that the person or the specialist is to say this journey is not safe for this person. So they are aware of the safe practices, they are updated, and uh, also uh, they do have some time with them to teach and they are educationalists so like, like i have a master's in education and i'm a program director to teach something so we constantly have the chance uh, to be on the boat where we could lead teams we could uh, see the direction for the younger generation to be to the next level and we are also proponents of safety and interdisciplinary uh, team connectedness is something required for leaders. And if you're empathetic to the level of role provided by the supporting nurse, the scrub nurse, the theater staff, the administrative staff outside the, the porters who bring in the ones who register patients, so you're actually aware of the flow, the beds which are there. So automatically they evolve to leadership positions. And when they go there, they know they have been at the ground level seeing how it works. So right. if you have packed in the line, you will be a line manager very well. So something like that. Thank you, doctor. It was a really a fruitful session to have. Uh, a great conversation with the anesthetist. Because like I said, in the past two and a, two years, six months, uh, we have never done a topic on anesthetist. And I think it's really um, very in-depth. And we, we really understand what exactly is happen, happening 
or what will happen behind the scenes. So I think we, we talked a lot about it. Thank you, doctor, so much for your precious time. I know you have done a marathon, uh, not <laughs> physically running, but over your duty, and yet you still um, separated some time for copy events. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure viewers who are watching this will have benefited, will have understood what exactly is going on in the theatre um, which obviously we most of us can't see, right? Because people are either sleeping, so no one knows who is the Dr. Ashoka is, right? But he's the man behind uh, putting people to sleep and make sure that everything goes well. Thank you so much, Doctor, for the past one hour at Kopi Events. Um, before we end the show, uh, is there something that you'd like to tell the viewers? So thank you for joining us today. And um, it's a great opportunity uh, Vance has provided through his system and his team. And this is a, this is a lovely uh, series of featured sessions. And it's a service to the mankind, I would say. And if you ask about what is the message to the public, I think when we grew up, uh, or my parents would say, you know, you buy lands, you know, that's the wealth. And when uh, we were like, in our prime, they used to say education is the wealth. And I would only say, you know, if you are trying to save for your kids, take care of your health. So if you, if that is something you could keep the fitness and the health well, there is very little that you need to do for the future. And, and that's the biggest investment that you could do for the system, for the people around you, for everybody. So we see people in their elite level of health and the ones who struggle with, so um, stay fit, stay healthy, have wellness of your mind, connect with people and have fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, doctor. I mean, for your precious time. And uh, we will definitely get connected. Uh, it's just that you have not have your coffee <laughs> or your coffee with you. Don't, you don't milk. drink coffee. Man. Chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. Okay, chocolate milk. Okay, so at least uh, a secret of uh, Dr. Ashoka, right? You don't drink coffee, but you drink chocolate milk. Okay, so we shall go for a chocolate milk. How about that? One of these days. Pleasure. All right, doctor. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we will stay connected. Thank you, doctor. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, so much. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, that's about almost about one hour with Kopi events, and uh, definitely it is going into our Spotify and Apple podcast for easy listening, whether you are driving or either in a gym, or either you're going to go to bed, you know, you're just you're talking about going to bed. Yeah, Dr. Ashoka just mentioned, right? I mean, he's the guy who put us to sleep while he watches us. I mean, sounds like an angel. He is definitely an angel. Um, yes, do listen to us. Uh, type it up, copy with Vans. Uh, you can definitely uh, look for us at uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And not forgetting YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. So do connect there. And um, we will be staying in touch. So coming up next Wednesday, again, I've been saying again for the past two and a half years, so probably I need to change. Uh, uh, another uh, interesting topic will be coming up. Uh, we already have uh, a great doc who's going to come in and um, he's going to do some presentation as well. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm working towards it. So if you do have a particular question that you want to ask, um, if you want to know, do drop me a message. And you know how to get me in touch. Get me in touch and definitely I'll get you back. Um, yes, like what Dr. Ashoka said, um, be fit, be healthy, you know, so that 
you know, we don't, you know, endanger our health to a lot of other factors as well. Um, talking about that, uh, the month of July, um, it's all about Mental Awareness Month. We have covered a topic last week with Dr. Arvinda on the mental, uh, we call it the positive psychology interventions or the remedies. What will happen? Uh, what can happen? So we all have to have this prevention, all right? We have to be in a resilience mode that we talked about, right? Uh, after the pandemic, a lot of us went through depression, anxiety, un, un, um, unpredictable economy. A lot of things were changing, but, you know, resilience has taught us. Um, that's one of our podcasts that uh, was talked about last week. So if you um, if you have missed it, you can definitely can catch it in Kopi uh, Advance, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. We call it the Positive Psychology Interventions. And today's topic was fantastic. I really enjoyed it with Dr. Ashoka. Uh, while we sleep, he was watching. So probably we'll never know who is he. But that's Dr. Ashoka behind the scene, behind the stage, doing magical. He's a magician. He put people to sleep and then he wink, ping, and then people wake up, right? But of course, it's all about life and death. Thank you, Dr. Ashoka. Um, definitely from NUH as well. Thank you from National University Hospital. It was a great, fruitful session. So it's time for me to say adios, amigo, and I will definitely will catch you in the upcoming week. Till then, adios, Vance. Thank you.